We've just said this. Our Father in heaven. And we've all said together, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Nothing new happens without forgiveness. Let me say that again because that's really all that I'm saying this morning. Nothing new happens without forgiveness. Randall's going to read for us now from Matthew chapter 18, from verse 21 to verse 35. Thanks, Randall. (laughs) Right, Matthew 18, uh, 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused, and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant! I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant, as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers, until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. It's quite a crushing last line, actually. Um, This is what the Heavenly Father will do to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from his heart. So I say it again. There is nothing new. Nothing new ever happens without forgiveness. Now, I can't say that I'm a great language person, but one thing I remember from Greek is that the first verb that you ever learn is a simple word, luo, which we learn right at the beginning means to release, to set free, to let go, both senses of let someone go, let something go, but letting go from, from yourself, and to forgive. And it has all this myriad levels of meaning. And when we speak about forgiveness, these are the things that we're looking at. Letting go, forgiving, which we know what it is, setting something free or someone free, and releasing stuff 
that holds us and binds us and keeps us imprisoned. If you are astute, and um, there are some people who take um, notes and who uh, pay tremendous attention to what I say. Derek is one of them. Um, most of what I'm saying I said in March, but there's a twist that I discovered with clarity and power over the last week. William Blake said at one point, wrote at one point, that it's easier to forgive our enemies than it is to forgive our friends. And if you just let that sort of roll over you for a bit, it's hard when someone close to you, your spouse or a friend or a, uh, a child or a parent, has done stuff to you that has really impacted you and wounded you, to let it go. There's a story, and I want to tell it to you because it's actually a, con a contemporary thing. Um, how many of you know Imagine Dragons? Got a new album out. Um, but some of my favorite ones are from a few albums back. But Dan Reynolds is the um, lead singer. And um, about three or four years ago, his marriage was in trouble. It was essentially over. Um, for seven months, he and his wife hadn't spoken to one another. I mean, they were on the road. It was one of those kind of dysfunctional situations. And as he drove to the lawyer's office to sign documents of divorce, he received a message from his wife. And all it said passionately was, I love you. And he said that she vocalized it with such a sense of conviction and generosity that they actually left the office together. They went on a date. He proposed to her again. And this is what he, he wrote about this whole thing as he expressed this. He said, and these are his words, it's interesting that someone can alter your entire life in a sentence. It's interesting that someone can alter your entire life in a sentence. I love you. I forgive you. Those kind of words are the words that we hear from God. We hear from God, I love you. And we've spoken about that, and we need to take that into ourselves. We hear the words spoken to us about forgiveness, and as we come around the table, that's always the thing that happens for us. You see, we are all broken people. There is nobody in this room who doesn't have baggage. There's nobody here who hasn't had to struggle with stuff that has happened in terms of relationships, in terms of, 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 of stuff that has come across your path that really, really is awful. And we can look at one another and say, oh, they shouldn't have any problems because, or they can't have that because. It doesn't matter. Every single person carries their own load. And that's what sin is. 
And I think the thing about sin is that we sometimes think it's this objective, sort of disembodied thing that somehow is a concept or an idea. Sin is simply this. It is ruptured and broken relationship. Or whatever it is that causes that relationship to be broken and ruptured. We get damaged because people say or do things that, that impacts us in some way. And there are so many things. There is evil out there and in here that impacts the whole atmosphere of the world that we live in. We must never think, and I think this is important, we must never think that just words spoken take away everything. They are important. But someone pays the price. Someone pays. The debt has to be paid. Forgive us our debts. Lovely words, and I love to hear them because I continually mess up, foul up, think things that I shouldn't, do things that I know are wrong. But the forgiveness comes at a cost. Someone pays. And when we eat and drink together at the table, what we are celebrating and remembering is that somebody paid. Somebody paid so that I could be free, that I could have my sins forgiven, that I could be reconciled to the Father, that the relationship with God could be restored, and that I could be restored and made one with the people around me, whom God loves as much and as dearly as me. When we sin, when we do stuff that is damaging to relationship with God or with ourselves or with each other, when we sin, in essence what we do is we freeze that relationship in that moment. And some of us are in situations where we will not let go of that frozenness and we are stuck at that place. Because of what our fathers did or our mothers didn't do, because of what some school teacher did, whatever it is, when we look back and we think, it impacts us. And if we aren't willing, willing to luo, to let go, to set free, to forgive, then we ourselves remain frozen, imprisoned in that thing. And unforgiveness, unfortunately, is addictive. The more you don't forgive, the easier it is not to forgive and to feel like you have a right to feel this way. When, the st- when, when, when we're not willing to forgive, we freeze ourselves in that moment of the story. In other words, Essentially, we end up trapped, unfree, if you like, imprisoned. And Jesus came so that the prisoners could be set free. This is part of what he's talking about. Of course he's talking about people who are in prison. They need to hear the good news. But every single person is imprisoned by this. 
Every one of us needs to be set free in terms of the forgiveness that we've received and we are called to give to each other. In dealing with sin and in dealing with the whole issue of forgiveness, we actually effectively move away all the detritus from our life. We get rid of all our debts. They are forgiven and we are set free. Freedom is inextricably linked with forgiveness. Your freedom, my freedom, is linked to the amount of forgiveness that we will, are willing not only to receive, and it is always about saying, God, I thank you that you've forgiven me. Forgive us our sins. Thank you. But then he says straight off, as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us, who are our debtors. And when Jesus talks to the disciples in Matthew 18, and he says, Peter comes like <coughs> magnanimously and says, oh, how many times should I forgive someone? Seven times. And he says, the message is quite fun actually, because he says, seven times? Never. <laughs> Try seven times, se what, 70 times seven. <coughs> and Jesus is basically saying, you never have to stop. God never stops forgiving you or me. And he's saying, you need to extend that kind of forgiveness to those around you. I have told you the story, but I'm telling you again because it, it so perfectly illustrates this point. In July 1993, there was an attack on a church in Cape Town. And these guys came in with AK-47s and hand grenades to a packed congregation. It was, a, it was one of the biggest churches in Cape Town. And they threw hand grenades and they, they just sprayed the congregation with bullets. There was a 17-year-old in the room, Richard O'Kill was his name. He dived across two of his friends and took the bullets. He died instantly. They lived. There was another 20-year-old young man who saw the hand grenade rolling on the front of the church and dived on top of it, instantly killed. But the police said that he saved so many others, other lives. Now, I met a young man in the north of Ireland. He, at that stage, was a doctor. He'd been in that service that morning. And he had gone out for some reason, and while he was out, he heard all of this happening. And when he came back into the hall, his mother and father, who were in the front of the church, who were leading members of the congregation, had been, well, his mother had been so severely shot, she died 30 minutes after she got to hospital. And he saw it all there. Young man, a teenager. And we had supper, and he was saying to me that he has learned what this passage means in his own life. How many times should I forgive? Seventy times seven, says Jesus. You can imagine what he felt. His mother was buried on her birthday. 
She had been, just two or three weeks before that, she'd been involved with a mission to seamen in, in Cape Town. And there'd been 62 Russian and Ukrainian sailors who had accepted Jesus. These were significant people. Pillars of the kingdom. And he said, for so many years he struggled when Christmas came or her birthday or all these things and, and would just well up again. And he, he made this mammoth effort to forgive these three young men who had done this to his mother. And he said instantly there was this relief, the sense of a lightness, the load being lifted, freedom, whatever language you want to do. He, he, he knew he was forgiven. He forgave them and he experienced that sense of being liberated and I can't remember now in my discussion with him whether it was her birthday or something that came around soon after that. And he said all these sensations welled up within him again. The anger and all the other stuff that had been part of it. And he was so shocked because he said, I thought I'd forgiven. He said, I did forgive them. I know that God forgave me for my anger and for all the other stuff. And here it was all there again. And what he said to me, was profound. It had such an influence. He said what he learned was that he had to forgive again. And then when it came up again, he forgave again. And when it was there a third or fifth or seventh time, he did it again. Whenever it came, he forgave, he forgave, he forgave. It became a habit, a pattern, until the sensation of being free was more of a reality constantly than it had ever been before. And really what he was saying, and the illustration for me is this, forgiveness isn't just once. We need to be forgiven for our sin over and over again because we rupture relationship with the way that we think and behave. Jesus forgives us over and over and over again. His mercies are new every single morning. Great is his faithfulness. But then he says to us, that's the kind of attitude that you need to have with the people who have wronged you. And I come back to what um, Blake said. It's easier to forgive our enemies than it is to forgive our friends, our family, uh, whatever. We hold on to stuff and we end up frozen in our relationship with that person, but frozen somehow in our story of wholeness and salvation for ourselves. Jesus essentially goes on to tell the story of these, this person who was forgiven much, and then he goes and grabs the guy who owes him money and shakes him till he nearly dies and says, you're going to pay back everything. And Jesus is strong in the story, the parable that he tells, because he's trying to say, you haven't got it yet. If that's how you behave after you have been forgiven, then you still haven't grasped what this thing is about being set free, about being able to let go. The question is, can I forgive? And I, you know, people say, but you haven't experienced this, or you didn't know this happened to me. Or, and, and there's no, it's not a comparative game. 
And the prodigal son is the perfect illustration of that you open the door this much to God and you ask forgiveness from him and he says, let's do it. Let's have a party. Welcome home. You are now free of all that other rubbish that was going on in your life. You're back as part of the family. That's how wide he flings open his arms to you and I when we come and say, oh Lord, sorry, we did it again. But he also says, if you understand that, then also the person you have been struggling with, who has wronged you in some way, you need to extend it to them. But it can't be rushed. It takes time. The point is really that you just don't shut the door. And I said this in March, and I say it again, because I've, I think, over the last six months, learned more of the reality of this, is that you hold that person in prayer, even if you don't really know what to pray. Constantly. In John's Gospel, there's a couple of commands. Jesus says in chapter 6, verse 29, Believe in me. Yes, we believe in you. He says in chapter 15, verse 12, Love one another. Mm. Slightly more tough. Matthew says to us in chapter 10, verse 8, Freely you have received, freely give. Now he's talking there in the context of people going out and praying for healing and seeing people delivered, set free. And he's saying again to them, this is an injunction, this is, this is a command, this is something that we are instructed to do. Freely you have received, freely give. Here's the thing that has gripped me this week about forgiveness. It really hinges around Ephesians 3. The last verse of Ephesians 3, where Paul is talking in the whole drift of things about stuff that the believers need to be doing. And he says, let, verse 31, let all bitterness and anger and all sorts of slander be put away from you along with malice, etc. And then he says in the positive, he says, don't only get rid of all that stuff, but be kind to one another. Be compassionate or tender-hearted as my translation says, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. All he's doing is reiterating what has been said over and over again this morning. Be kind to one another. Forgive each other, just as you have been forgiven by Jesus. That's really what he's saying. The interesting thing, which I, I, I want to stress this morning, is that he uses a word that is that is not always translated as forgiving. In Greek, it's charisomai. Now, I don't know if I'm saying it absolutely accurately, but it's charis, grace. It's the verbal form of the word grace. And really what Paul is saying is, be kind and compassionate to one another, continually gracing each other. Extending God's grace to the other around you, as God has been graceful to you. 
And what's actually happening here, I think, is that so often forgiveness is a passive thing. And we, we receive forgiveness from God. And we actively forgive people. But it's almost as if it lives in the past. Because it's dealing with stuff that is behind us. When he says, be kind and compassionate with one another, extending grace, gracing each other, as Jesus has graced you. What he's doing is he's putting it out in front. He's saying, look into the future. Grace each other. Be kind. Be compassionate. Kindness is really love with pants on. It's, it's practical. It's down to earth. Paul, when you read Colossians, where this is a, there's a very similar passage in Colossians 3, the message says, clothe yourself with kindness and love and compassion and all these kind of things. What he's really trying to say is, these are working clothes. This is how you present yourself. This is how you actually come across to people. And there was a movie some years ago, Paying It Forward. I don't know how many of you remember that movie. But the, the impact it had was because here was a little boy who actively looked forward to see how he could extend beyond himself. And as the church, heaven's alive. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We are supposed to be gracing our society. We are supposed to be extending grace and love and mercy and kindness and compassion to the people that we meet. Yes, forgiveness, that passage is translated in all the translations that you've got. The NIV, the New American, all the others use forgiveness as the word here. And it does mean forgiveness. But it seems to be loaded to me more to the future, the active word of gracing those that we come into contact with. Of being the kind of church that God has called us to be. Freely you've received, freely give. Nothing happens without forgiveness. Nothing new happens without forgiveness. And I really honestly believe that if we as individuals and as a congregation grasp this whole thing of gracing one another and gracing the people that we come into contact with, charisomai, Extend grace, extend kindness, and extension is always beyond ourselves. It's always moving forward. Yes, we deal with what's behind. Yes, we are set free. Yes, we set other people free. But this is so exciting and so positive because as we, as we saw with um, Dan Reynolds' text from his wife, it doesn't take much to turn a desperate, holy, dark situation completely around. And we are called to be salt and light and leaven in the world. And this is how we do it. By extending kindness, being extravagantly kind, by loving those around us, our neighbors, by extending grace, gracing one another in the name of Jesus who has graced us.